This is Storybeat with Steve Cuden, a podcast for the creative mind. Storybeat explores how masters of creativity develop and produce brilliant works that people everywhere love and admire. So join us as we discover how talented creators find success in the worlds of imagination and entertainment. Here now is your host, Steve Cuden. Thanks for joining us on Storybeat. We're coming to you from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Storybeat episodes are available at storybeat.net and on all the major podcast apps and platforms. If you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review. And please subscribe to Storybeat wherever you listen to podcasts. My guest today, Yvette Vargas, is an award-winning writer, director, producer, and immersive storyteller. Named by the New York Times as an artist to watch, Yvette has produced series for Amazon, MTV, Bravo, DirecTV, and interactive content for Fast and Furious, The Lord of the Rings Trilogy, and Madonna. Yvette executive produced, wrote, and directed her digital series Dark Prophet, starring Henry Rollins, which was in contention for two Emmys. She sold her drama series, Muses, to TNT Super Deluxe. Yvette is also creating a drama series for MGM Television with Mark Guggenheim and Rosario Dawson serving as executive producers. She's developing a drama series for Entertainment One with President Peter Johnson and penning the Mix Master Mike feature biopic. And she wrote The Current War VR Experience, a companion piece for the film starring Benedict Cumberbatch. A staunch activist for inclusion and equity, Yvette founded the Writer's Room 5050 to mentor storytellers and to create opportunities for their next level success. A member of the Writers Guild of America, Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and Producers Guild of America, she was born in the Bronx and learned to tell stories at the dinner table where the imagination ruled. For the record, Yvette and I have known one another for many years, having met while attending graduate school at UCLA. So for me, this is truly a great joy to have as my guest on Storybeat today, my friend, the exceptionally talented Yvette Vargas. Yvette, welcome to the show. Steve, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm uh, I'm I'm smiling from uh, from ear to ear, and uh, you know you are you 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 are quite quite uh, the host, um, and uh, and I'm also proud and honored to call you my friend. Well, the the pleasure today is all mine. Trust me, and yes, it's good to be your friend as well. So let's go all the way back to your roots, all the way back to the beginning. What was it about learning to tell stories at the dinner table that ultimately led you to pursue a life? as a writer, producer, director, and, and so on, and not, say, a journalist or a novelist? Why did you wind up in, you know, the cinematic arts? Yes. Uh, well, thank you for that question. Um, well, quite, quite simply, Steve, I have been an artist my entire life. I grew up drawing, painting, and writing. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, in, in my family, I, I, I grew up with three brothers, the lover, the fighter, the jock. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I am the artist. I I, I am the artist uh, in in between. So I always knew that I was going to pursue uh, some kind of creative endeavor, some kind of uh, just just creative expressions um, professionally because it, it was just what I had always done. 
Um, and, uh, but interestingly enough, what happened because I grew up drawing and painting and writing, um, it was uh, very easy for me to be inspired by the artwork that I was creating to write stories about it. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, just get, uh, just escape through my imagination mm-hmm. with, uh, between the imagery and the words on the page and then vice versa with stories that I was writing then to go and, and literally to draw images of also what I saw. Um, so that synergy of, uh, visual storytelling, the word and the visual was just what I had always done. Um, so it was, so it really was a, a natural evolution, um, a natural evolution. But um, what I first, uh, what, but my first endeavor in terms of art school, um, you know, I, I ended up, I started uh, my, my, my first artistic, yeah, education was at um, uh, FIT, uh, Fashion Institute of Technology right. in, New City, in New York City. Uh, and I studied design, fashion design, graphic design. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I loved all of that. Um, but, uh, but I had this yearning, this really this yearning burning desire to tell stories. So I ended up then transferring to NYU Tisch, uh, to school of the arts for film. Mm. Uh, and that's literally where I merged, was able to really bring together my artistic ability with my writing ability. It all really came together for me there. So, so you I guess I didn't know this, that you had gone to NYU Tisch prior to UCLA. Right. I, obviously, you'd gone to undergraduate school somewhere, and I guess I had, you and I never talked about it. Uh, you, you actually were a cinema major in undergraduate school. Yeah, it was, I, was a, I was a film, film and television major. My, my focus was on directing uh, and writing. Got it. Okay. So when you went to UCLA to get your MFA in screenwriting, that was taking what you already knew and expanding it out much further then. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and why I actually chose to go to UCLA was because they had, you know, as, as, as you know, Steve, they had a two-year concentration called the showrunner track. Right. Uh, because I really wanted to study television. That's why I ended up going to UCLA. But as you know, the only way at the time to get to the showrunner track was through the screenwriting discipline, that, through, through right. that program. Sure. So this, the showrunning track, which really is about being more of a producer than a writer, though uh, there's a lot of writing to it. Yes? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, well, you know, it was, it was both. It was, it was both in, uh, you know, in the curriculum, that two-year curriculum uh, you know, which uh, the first year had the focus on comedy um, or, you know, half hours, half hour comedies. And the second year with, with one hour drama, it was, uh, both, it was, I would say it was equal parts writing um, and producing television. Um, so it really, it really was the writer producer of a television series. So were was- you, were you in Fred Rubin's class? Yes, I was. So yes, Fr- I was. Fred has been a recent guest on this very podcast. Okay. So, so those of you that are listening, for the listeners out there, if you want to hear the the person who really taught the comedy part of the showrunner's track at UCLA, that's Fred Rubin. You can catch that on Storybeat as well. Um, all right. So who were your early filmmaking heroes? Who did you look to as your inspirations? Yeah, uh, well, there, you know, there certainly were many, but, um, you know, I grew up, grew up in New York, as, as, as you mentioned, you know, I was born in the Bronx. Um, 
And, uh, and then my family moved to a New Jersey suburb where we're, by the way, we were the only um, Latinos <laughs> in wow. the entire county. Yeah, so we can certainly, we can certainly speak about uh, all, of, all of those adventures. Um, but in terms of my early heroes, uh, they, they were, they were, they were the, the New York filmmakers. Um, you know, th- those, those were the, the heroes that I really looked up to, I understood and, and aspired to. So, you know, definitely, of course, Martin Scorsese, as a, you know, as a filmmaker, Spike, uh, you know, Spike, Spike Lee, um, you know, those, those were certainly some at the, uh, at the, at the very top. Well, those are pretty good um, models to aspire to. That is for sure. Um, All right. So let's go through a bit of your process. Obviously you're filled with all sorts of experiences and you have all sorts of things happening for you at all times. Where do you go to look for ideas or do they just come to you? I will tell you that for the most part, ideas, they really do come to me. And, and oftentimes they come to me in my sleep, in my dreams. Mm. Uh, Steve, I, I literally dream movies. Wow. Uh, and yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and it's not just a one-off. It's, like, it's, not, it's not as if I just have that dream once. That narrative will continue over, over various dreams. Well, I'm, um, I'm envious. I cannot remember my dreams for the life of me. <laughs> so you're actually telling stories in your head while you're sleeping. Absolutely. Absolutely. With, you know, with characters, uh, you know, I am not always in my dreams, by the way. Uh, it's it literally, these are movies that are unfolding just before, you know, just in, in my imagination, um, which I can see in my sleep. And uh, so I have a, I have both a notebook that I keep mm-hmm. by my bed, as well as just my phone um, with voice, you know, voice memo, the voice memo app sure. that I'll just wake up and quickly, you know, quickly just recite what I have seen in my dreams um, into voice memo. Or, you know, if, if, if I'm awake enough, I'll jot down, uh, you know, just some details so that I don't forget them. I, I, I literally just had this experience last week uh, where it was, I, I didn't realize, it was the second, it was the second part of a dream <laughs> uh, that I had had, I guess, was it, uh, it may have been earlier this year that I had the first part. And then about two weeks ago, it was, no, it was last week. I literally dreamt the second part of that movie. Oh, wow. And that, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I realized it's like, okay, yes, there's a really interesting idea. And, and the second part, the second part that I dreamt was the it was the reveal it was the surprise reveal in fact so i i i was about i don't know i guess i woke up about about 3 30 in the morning or so i ran to my computer i ran to my computer and uh, jotted down uh the idea and would you say that when you're dreaming you're dreaming whole stories at a time fully blown characters or do things come to you slowly do they develop sometimes it's it's uh fully blown characters uh with you know with entire scenarios uh and then other times it's just you know bits bits and pieces that are part of the same film for lack of a better term that's the same the same film but i'm seeing it in parts i'm dreaming it in parts Mm, interesting so all right so you then if you have this idea and it's come to you and you sort of have it figured out in your head I would say easily in, in the sense that it's coming to you. You don't have to work too hard to say, here's the kernel of an idea. It's already there. What do you do? Do you start to develop characters first or do you develop plots first or do they come at the same time? Um, I would say what I, what I start to jot down first uh, is 
probably the concept uh, that has come to me because that is digestible. In the form the, of a log line or how do you do it? it? In, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a formal log line, but yes, in terms of what the idea is, what the twist is. A broad uh, concept what, what, of what it is. Correct, correct. I'll start with, the, I'll start, I'll jot that down so that I don't forget that, that you know, the concept. And then from there, uh, I usually will I just start identifying the characters that I saw. Um, and then, and then I will, uh, then the third part is taking those characters and then writing the, you know, again, the plot that I, that, that I dreamt. So what is uh, your, what is your character develop methodology? What do you do? Do you, do you have any kind of a, a system? Absolutely. I, I mean, yes, because everything for me uh, is, it comes from character. Plot, mm -hmm. plots and character for me are one in the same. They are synonymous. Uh, you know, the, what, what's, uh, you know, for me, it always comes back to what the character wants. Why can't they have it? What are they doing to get it? Um, and what happens, uh, you know, what, what is at stake, right? What, what are they trying to prevent mm -hmm. from happening by, by pursuing their, you know, their, their goal, what, what, what they want. And, and, and those are the stakes. So with that, that is the story unfolding once, once for myself, once I know what, what, what my character wants and why can't they have it, which is the conflict that they're, that they're facing, uh, you know, the conflict, the, 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 the escalations um, of the conflict, the intensity, uh, the twist turns of surprises, all of that um, opposition that the character is facing, uh, you know, you know, clearly that that's what makes for um, a strong, strong plot, strong narrative, strong uh, desire and drive that the character might, you know, my characters want to fight through to uh, ultimately achieve their goal. But the, um, but you know the the for me the you know the 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 magic the, I guess the magic sauce is what are they what are they doing to get it in the face of this opposition in the face of this conflict and the what are they what are they doing to get it that's the story that's well, literally as, as as we were certainly told repeatedly at UCLA you know conflict equals desire plus an obstacle so you want something and there's something in the way how do you overcome it. And, and how you overcome it is the story. That's the story unfolding. Seeing the character attempt to overcome the conflict, that is the story that we're seeing uh, between the choices that they make, the dialogue that they speak, and the actions that they take. That's what we're seeing. That is the story unfolding. So that is, uh, that is the definition of drama versus melodrama. Drama is that the characters drive the plot melodrama is, is the plot drives the characters and it's always better when it's the characters driving the plot absolutely uh, always absolutely. more powerful absolutely. for the audience that's i think more yeah i i agree more powerful for the audience more powerful for the journey uh, it just uh, it just raises the stakes and the emotionality on every aspect of the story so you know so for me Character and plot really are one in the same. And you know, there, there, there is, uh, there is, uh, it, it's, it's symmetry, right? It's, it's, uh, it's just a relationship. They are not separate. They are not two separate things. They, they, and these, they, they are married together. Mm -hmm. uh, and literally, uh, you know, you know, again, as the, as the characters pursuing their goal and they're facing opposition, and the actions that they are taking, what they're doing, what they're doing, in, in, in spite of this opposition that they're facing to relentlessly pursue their goal. That is the, that is the story 
that is unfolding in front of our eyes. That is the movie. That is the, that is the episode. Uh, and, and, and any medium, that, and, that is the story. And that's what the audiences of the world, not just in the United States, but around the world, that's what they all want. Correct. Yeah. Okay, good. So uh, when you're, all right, so are you developing then plot at the same time? So what I'm trying to get at is uh, you're not separating it out and going, oh, I've got to figure out all these characters first, or are you? And then are you then saying, okay, now I'm going to put these characters into the cauldron and see what happens, and then I'll develop the plot from that. Is that how you're operating? Um. I would say, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit more systematic, you know, I would say, because I do a series of passes uh, looking at uh, specific beats, you know, more uh, moments, um, just major turning points. You, you, you uh, actually start to see the major turning points first. Correct. A- absolutely. I, I look at the story arc and the character arc. That's where I begin, Steve, to actually identify what my story is. I really, I, I really, I really think about where my character is going to be uh, on, um, you know, with this overall arc, this overall journey that the character is on with this marriage of both story and and character. Uh, you know, where where there are, what are those major turning points within the their, the, the story arc uh, and their character arc in general? So, if they, if my character begins you know at, at one point where do i see them ending like where, where do i see them ending and what are those major uh what are those major turning points along the way mm-hmm. that's going to get them there story milestones things that you're going to hit to get them to their ultimate resolution of the goal set early on at the inciting incident which is you know pretty standard uh, storytelling structure that pretty much every single story that we think of as memorable and popular follows. Yeah, yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, the one thing that I would say is that that all of those milestones, those story beats, I'm I'm looking at them from the point of view of the character, though. Uh, it's not necessarily a fill in the blank, um, you know, right. kind of ploppy. It's it's all coming from character uh, and 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 literally based on the you know, the journey, the journey that I want to set my character on. Um, so, so I look at, so I look at the, you know, the, the story arc, which is of course steeped in the character. I'll look at that first. Uh, I'll identify the arc, um, the journey of that story. And then I'll dive deeper more on the micro level uh, in terms of who are these characters? Uh, what is this world that they are going to be in conflict with? Who are the characters around them that are going to, you know, test, constantly test my characters uh, and literally represent, you know, who my character represents, what, uh, what their character defining trait is, what their need is, who, who are the cast of characters that I need to create, develop uh, around my main character so that, that while they, my main character, my protagonist is on this journey, there's a host of other characters that are literally a foil for my main character along the way. Um, and also why uh, you know, these other characters are important is because for the most part, no single character uh, you know, goes on any journey alone. Um, mm. you know, they, they're, they're, there's, usually, there's usually some at least someone else 
uh, along with uh, you know along with the character. And it's and 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 Steve, it's why we watch. We watch for these character relationships. We watch for these character dynamics. So uh, you know, so these other these other characters uh, around the protagonists are incredibly important because they are also on that journey, uh, you know, challenging and supporting um, the protagonist every step along the way. And sometimes in conflict, which helps, helps that journey as well. Absolutely. So are you, are you an outliner? I am, I am an outliner. I am an outliner. Um, but I, uh, I have really streamlined my outlining process. I, uh, I, I, for the, now for the most part, I really focus on Again, these major milestones, these, these, these beats, those, those major beats, and it's just a bullet point in a sentence, I will tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really been simplified. And then uh, after I identify the, the overall uh, story arc um, of the episode or the, you know, the film, uh, and then also these 10 or so major, uh, major turning points, these major milestones, these major beats, then in terms of the beats in between, um, I look at, I, I really look at, uh, you know, each beat and then identify the midpoints between those two beats. Mm. Uh, and then, and then, you know, going even more macro, the midpoint then between, um, you know, two beats that I just, the, the, the two beats that I, the, the midpoint, um, the midpoint of the two beats that I just identified. So I just, I just keep, I just keep diving deeper and deeper and deeper in, in terms of how do I get to the next step in an organic way, looking at absolutely following the arc. Are you a, um, all right. So now you have an outline, you have some kind of a beat outline basically, and you know what your structure of the story is going to be. You have an idea in your head about who your characters are and what their, uh, what's going to happen, what their goals are or goal, ultimate super objective. Uh, um, do you then, are you a purge draft person? Do you like to write your first draft really fast or are you, you take it slow? Uh, it depends on how much time I have. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's so, it's so, it's so true. It really depends on, De- on how deadlines are a magic thing, aren't they? They, they, they really, really are. I mean, sometimes no matter what, you just have to get through it to turn, you know, to turn, to turn something in. Um, uh, but yes, I mean, I, I definitely believe in the value of getting through it. Uh, but with getting through it, I look at uh, each act at a time. Um, I, I really do focus on uh, the beats of that particular act, the scene. Uh, I'm oh something something else that's also critical, uh, you know, to to my process. And I really really learned to lean into this is to write what is personal. Uh, you know, really with every character and, 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 and their journey um, to integrate as much of myself as possible, you know, Steve, from, from, from my own life. Um, I, you know, I just, I, first of all, I think, I think it's what the reader and the audience really uh, connects with. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this is, and, and these are our strengths as, as, as writers, as storytellers mm-hmm. is, 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 you know, really, really, utilizing our, our life, our experience, our point of view, our, you know, our, our voice, of, of course, voice, but uh, it's really writing these personal moments that we have lived uh, and using, and using them also as inspiration, um, using them as inspiration. And, uh, and also because we have lived these moments, we have experienced those, those emotions ourselves, therefore we can get them on the page. 
So, uh, so that's, that's, and that is a pass. That's a layer. Uh, I'm also uh, just even in terms of the initial beats that I mentioned, you know, at the end, my beats for outlining, I am absolutely bringing in, um, you know, these personal moments from, uh, you know, from my life. When you're writing a script and you don't have a green light, which is probably most of the time, you don't have a green light yet. Um, and you don't know where the script is going to go beyond your having written it. That is to say, you're not attached to anything beyond writing it and you don't have anyone attached to writing it. Are you in your mind's eye thinking about directing as you're writing or is that, are you just worried about storytelling? I'm always thinking about the the directing of it all because you know I I, I am as a director I am a director as 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 you know uh, mm -hmm. and and also given my my background of growing up drawing painting and writing I I see everything in my mind um, you know you're I've, actually I, you're actually envisioning scenes as you're writing you're seeing absolutely. Them. I'm seeing them I'm seeing them in my mind uh, in my imagination. So I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm writing what I'm, I'm writing what I'm seeing. Uh, and then, and also I am, um, bringing to the surface, the emotion, you know, the emotionality of the character in what I'm seeing and, and bringing that to, uh, to the page. You're, I assume like most of us, you're a rewriter, not, you don't turn in a very first purge draft. You, you have to revise and revise to get it to the point where you're comfortable enough to hand it off to somebody. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So uh, how, how many drafts would you say you typically do before you turn in a first draft? <laughs> uh, <laughs> every product I, is different. <laughs> yes. I can tell you typically for me, it's between 10 and 15 drafts before mm -hmm. I think to myself, okay, this is good enough to show to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's all again, how much time we, you know, we, we have, it's certainly at least, I, at least five, it's at least five drafts for me mm -hmm. at least five drafts. I, I would say, I mean, it's probably on average, I would say probably about 10, about 10 drafts. Um, and, uh, and before I actually, you know, give it to some, you know, to somebody, it's not just anybody. It's, 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 it's my inner circle, my inner trusted circle. Uh, that, uh, you know, I, I, I will share it with them. Um, what does that, what does that mean for the listeners who don't know? What do you mean by your inner trusted circle? Sure, sure. So, so these are other, uh, other writers, other, other, uh, you know, just professionals in the, you know, in the industry that I will send my first draft, um, which I've written several drafts, dra dra drafts on, um, but I will send them what I would, I would call at that point, a first draft mm -hmm. to the, to these friends, um, to these trusted, you know, these trusted advisors, um, relationships that, uh, you know, I've established, uh, over the years, uh, for notes. So, so that's my, that's my inner trusted, uh, brain trust. And I'm just curious, do you ever feel like you're relying on them in a way that's abusive as, as when I say abusive, as in you're using them too much and you feel like, Oh, I've got a, I can't give another script to these folks. Or do you always feel comfortable that they're going to give you feedback no matter what? I always feel comfortable that they're going to feed, going to give me feedback. No that's, matter a, what. that's a, that's a great thing to have. And not everybody has it because sometimes people will feel like, Oh, I've just given this past two years, I've given three scripts to some, to this particular person. And now I'm abusing my friendship with them rather yeah. than um, relying on them to do, you know, to do service for you. And so 
uh, it's great when you have people like that in your life. That's really uh, an outstanding thing. Let's talk about pitching for a moment. When you go to pitch a story to somebody, whether you have a completed script or not, um, do you have any particular techniques for pitching? Do you have any way that you go in? Do you have an attitude toward it? Do you uh, have a preparation technique? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes to all of your questions. So I absolutely have a a uh, pitching technique. Uh, I I absolutely um, go in feeling you know extremely confident because I have uh, you know excuse my language work my ass off on 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 this pitch, uh, and I'm bringing uh, and I'm and I I mean for myself in terms of the mindset, I'm always thinking that I am bringing. I am bringing the buyer a gift. I am bringing the bu- a buyer uh, a, a gift. Yeah. A great attitude that, by the way, uh, on a recent episode of Story Beat, Brian Cranston says the exact same thing. When you go into audition, you're bring- you want to think of yourself as bringing something to them for them to use. It's for them. It's not for you. Correct. Yeah. That's a well, great attitude. Well, great. And thank you. And hey, I mean, uh, wonderful, wonderful to be in the same company as, as, as Brian Cranston. It's, it's good company. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. Right. So, uh, you know, so I, 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 I do, I do the work, uh, you know, Steve, um, you know, pitching, pitching is an art form, uh, as, as, as you know, mm-hmm. and I absolutely have a structure. I have a, uh, a process to writing the script of my pitch, which is the script for myself which is written in a conversational. Um, I'm li- I'm li- I am literally telling the story of my story. Uh, and that's, that's my, um, my point of view when I am writing uh, the, the pitch. Um, and, uh, and then I also design a, a pitch deck, um, visuals, visuals to support my verbal pitch, which I deliver, of course, the verbal pitch to. What is a pitch model. deck? Okay, sure. So a, a, a pitch deck, uh, what that is, it's a, pre- a presentation deck, is uh, these are visuals that uh, they personify, they personify the, the, uh, the world, the characters, the tone, uh, the imagery of my series, um, uh, of my series, which I am sharing verbally with the buyer, right? Because we all like, you know, for, for myself anyway, my process is that I will write the script of my pitch, you know, so it's literally a document, a pitch document, which is my personal script, which I memorize, I internalize. And, uh, and then when I present my pitch to a buyer, I am just verbally having a first person conversation <laughs> with the, you know, the, the, the buyer about my show. It's, right. it's absolutely conversational. And then the images, which I project, I mean, now, now, you know, the pitching is done on zoom during these days of COVID. Um, so I'm sharing my, uh, you know, my, my screen with the buyer, but in the old days, pre pre COVID, I would uh, would literally present these images in conference rooms. I would, you know, project my 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 deck, my presentation deck, on flat screens, uh, and those images literally fill in. They add texture. They add visuals. They add tone, style, um, just images, important images that show what your story looks like and supports. Those images support 
the verbal pitch that you are sharing. With the well, buyer. this is this is really great advice for people that are learning how to pitch. That uh, what it amounts to. Correct me if I'm wrong. What it amounts to is frequently you're pitching to people who may not have the ability to envision what you're selling verbally and that when you can give them an image suddenly they can see it which is why by the way so many movies today are made from graphic novels because they can see what the movie style as you say and tone are going to be all about am i correct in that you're absolutely correct you are absolutely correct uh it it, it basically it basically allows or it affords the, the, the buyer the opportunity to really listen uh, and, uh, and, 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 um, and the images, the images are filling also their imagination, right? I mean, I'm, 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 the images are actually allowing the buyer into my, into my vision yes. of the series. That's the key is that you're allowing them into your what you're envisioning as opposed to you, the writer, relying on them to envision something that maybe would be different than what you're thinking. Correct. So th this way you're actually showing them uh, rather than telling. Well, of course, that's the old Hollywood maxim anyway, show, yeah. don't tell. But, but nevertheless, you're actually demonstrating visually something so that you're not relying on someone who may or may not have a good ability to envision from words to pictures. Um, Correct. Correct. I think, I think that's uh, that's really excellent advice for anyone that's uh, starting out and thinking about how do you pitch. Uh, you have to be careful about it. I would think, uh, you know, on a feature film, you don't want to come in with a huge uh, visual imagery deck of some kind. You want maybe one or two images just to give them an idea. But on a series, you definitely want to have that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with features, oftentimes what's done with pe uh, pitching, pitching features is um, there is a, uh, like a teaser or a trailer or, a, a, you know, some kind of um, like a, a ripomatic, uh, which is uh, created to, you know, literally, literally represent the, the feature uh, in, in a trailer format, right? So it's, it's, so it's video, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's video. Um, that gives the that will give the you know the buyer the producer whomever whomever you're pitching to uh, an idea uh, again of what it what is the vision what is the vision of this film? It's a little um, less than a sizzle reel, yes. It's a, oh absolutely yeah yeah it's 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 usually it's usually anywhere between one to two minutes long uh, at 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 the most you know at 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 the most and uh, you know it's just a, it's just a wonderful it's like it's a taste it's a it's a it's a short little proof of concept. Uh, and that's, that's become commonplace, uh, with, uh, you know, with pitching features, you, you certainly can, you certainly can use those for pitching television series as well. It's, it's definitely made its way into television. Um, but it's more commonly used for pitching, uh, feature films. That's fantastic. Okay. So let's talk about dark, dark profit. Sure. Uh, so you, you created that series, you developed it, you produced it, you directed it. Uh, I, you, you're sort of the chief cook and bottle washer on that series. All right. What did you do in the very beginning to get Dark Profit off the ground? How long did it take you to develop it in the first place? Sure, sure. Well, interesting. I'll, I'll tell you what, let's back up and tell the audience what Dark Profit is for those who haven't seen it. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so it, it's actually, it was, so it's a, you know, it was a digital series, a web series um, that I, I, uh, I developed in, uh, in, 20, in 2012. 
Um, and uh, interestingly enough, um, Steve, it was something that I was working on while I was a, a, a grad student at, U, at UCLA. Mm. Um, but how it all came to be initially, the inciting incident of Dark Prophet was that um, NYU Tisch, they have a thriving alumni, uh, thriving alumni um, here in Los Angeles and all over, all over the world. But, you know, certainly in Los Angeles, it's a, it's an incredibly active group and, uh, and they have their own series of programs um, for alumni. And um, in that particular year, they had a, uh, they were offering a digital series lab for alumni and uh and it was a six month commitment where the uh where the participants basically they they developed and produced three episodes of a web series so uh you know so i i basically ended up winning that um you know that particular initiative and competition nice, nice. thank you thank you and the judges were mbc universal television executives who uh, who really loved the show and that that led to me getting a production grant from mbc universal so I kept making episodes and, uh, and then Sundance had heard about me and the show. Uh, and, uh, and I literally, uh, premiered at Sundance, uh, in 2014, uh, with, uh, the series, um, and, uh, through one of their, uh, efforts there. And then there were direct TV executives who actually saw the series at Sundance. Uh, and this was in 20, 2014, I believe. Um, and uh, and then the show ended up premiering on Directv, uh, and it did and it did really well there. Um, and uh, and because it was this this interactive, it was it was this digital it was this digital series that then that then made the leap into traditional television. It was nominated for uh, you know two Emmys in the interactive category. Well, uh, that's that's a that's a wonderful um, bit of icing on the top of the cake, isn't it? It was, it was, it was just the, it was an incredible ride, uh, you know, really a phenomenal year in 2014. That's, that was uh, literally what, how I became um, uh, a member of the Television Academy at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and by the way, I ended up losing to uh, Game of Thrones, their, uh, their digital <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, it's Dark Prophet or Game of Thrones. Well, <laughs> Exactly. So you, exactly. you you probably had a very similar budget on yours compared to their lunch budget. <laughs> compared to the, their lunch budget, exactly <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, but but again, you know, hey, it was wonderful to be in that company, and uh, yeah, and, sure. and and you know, so so I mean, I always say that you know, I, I lost the Game of Thrones, but I can live with that. <laughs> and uh, and 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 it was it was really this this incredible uh, experience and and ride, which opened up uh, a lot of doors and many. And many opportunities, uh, you know. No for doubt, no, no doubt. You know, doing that and then being honored by being nominated—that should, you know, open certain doors for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So once you had a, a green light at the point where somebody said, "Yeah, let's let's go on this," you weren't funding it yourself, right? The beginning of it. Well, you were. Uh, you're, no, you're, I mean, you begin. Some, you funded yeah, yeah. the development of it, but then. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But as, as, as it went along, uh, no, then there were other funding resources. All right. So once you had that, that green light in place, that funding source and so on, what were your first steps toward preparing to shoot it? What did you do? Did you, did you storyboard the whole thing? What did you do? Uh, yes. Well, um, 
I, you know, I, and thankfully, I'm, and I'm so grateful. I, I literally was introduced to an incredibly talented uh, DP. Um, and uh, so, you know, we, we worked on, uh, we worked on the storyboarding, we worked on the shot list thing, uh, you know, absolutely. I mean, and, but, and also as an executive producer, I mean, I had, I had a hand in everything. I had a hand in casting. I, I had a, a hand in, uh, you know, just the art of it all, especially with my art background, you know, so really specifically how it looked. But, but I mean, Steve, I was really blessed with finding incredibly talented people. Uh, you know, to run these different departments, all the different departments. Um, and, uh, you know, and so much so that I was able to let them run with it. You know, like, you know, the, the, the art director, uh, she was, I mean, just outstanding. Um, and, you know, someone that I, I, I would just continue to work with till what, this day. What's her name? Uh, well, her, her, her name is Penelope. Um, and, uh, you know, she, she, she works on everything. She worked, you know, she works on features. She works on television series. She works on uh, commercials, um, just someone, you know, well, like one of the things that really impressed me, uh, you know, about her, um, and, and I, and I would actually just give everyone advice. Um, and, you know, when you are looking for, uh, you know, whether it's art department or any, any of the, the departments is that, um, and, and, and in her case in particular is that she was actually, she was able to make props herself. <laughs> I mean, it was just astounding astounding um you know what she could do and uh, and i just find that for um you know she was she was just that kind of problem solver and really i you know i think when you're when you're looking for a crew when you're looking for partners you need problem solvers steve so that's always something that i'm looking for whenever i am crewing up or uh you know just hiring or bringing people on on, on my team people that have are, are creative are creative problem solvers um and uh and they, they can they can help take what you're trying to do and plus it in big ways exactly exactly so exactly. explain for the listeners the importance of casting how critical is it uh it's 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 crucial you know it, it's it's absolute it's critical it's how important is it it's, it's the most important it's the most important thing um and you know especially if you're i mean every aspect of it, but, you know, certainly, uh, you know, when you're directing it, as I, I, you know, as I did, uh, you know, the, the actors have to sell it, you know, I mean, the, the actors have to sell it, you know, it doesn't matter how brilliantly it's shot, you know, how brilliantly it's written, the actors have to sell it. One, and, one actor not in it can wreck the whole thing, can't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially absolutely. in your, especially in your leads. So that's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm asking a question, you know, it's rhetorical in, in a sense that, Casting is pretty much 90% of everything. You, there's a lot of work that goes into getting you to where you're going, but if you don't cast well, you really have a problem. Yeah. yeah because, you. because they won't sell it. It won't sell. So exactly. Yeah. It, ma it makes you know, a huge difference. It uh, makes a huge difference. I mean, you know, the, the, the audience, the audience has to connect, right? The audience has to connect to the characters. Absolutely. They, uh, you know, and, and on a very deep emotional level. Uh, you know, even, even if they hate them, even if they don't like them, they, they, they have to understand what their motivations are. And these motivations are emotional. Well, we're uh, not, we're, we're selling passion. We are selling emotion. We're not selling intellectuality. People don't go to movie theaters or watch TV shows in order to have a great academic exercise. They want to feel. Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, all right. So once you were in production, did you find you needed to rework the scripts? I assume there were a series of scripts. So did you need to rework them while you were going or were you pretty much set by the time you got into production? 
some, I mean, some, some episodes, some episodes uh, pretty much stayed the same. And then there were, you know, uh, uh, other episodes that had to be reworked for a, a, a variety of different reasons. Uh, you know, some, sometimes, you know, Steve, sometimes you, you get to set uh, and um, you know, it's just not going to happen that day or that way. <laughs> uh, that way. I, I mean, I remember there was, there was one, there was one day that I literally had 15 minutes. Well, this was, this was a, uh, I, I, uh, I literally, there was an actor that I would, that I was, um, you know, dying to secure. Um, and there was a, there was a scheduling, you know, there was just a, a scheduling conflict. And at the last minute, I was able to, to secure the actor. Uh, so um, I wanted to, I wanted to just add more lines. You know, now that I had the actor, I wanted to add more lines. And I literally remember uh, I only had 15 minutes. I only had 15 minutes to uh, write a scene. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, before, before I had to leave to go to set uh, and send it out, send it to the actors. Um, you know, so I, you know, so I did that. And by the time that I got to set, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the camera, you know, the camera, crew they you know they were you know assembling the you know the and and the art department you know they were assembling the set so I was able to you know of course work with the actors and 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 uh rehearse with them uh you know initially um and they had just gotten their you know their lines for that for that particular scene um but they loved it and 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 it you know it really works so sometimes you're sometimes you're just writing sometimes you're writing on the fly sometimes you're writing on the fly and and um sometimes you know they're, they're just scenarios where it's just not going to quite not going to work the way that you had initially envisioned it. Um, some, something, you know, something in the set may not be working. Uh, you know, sometimes just the way that, that, that you wanted it lit is just not quite there. You just have to make changes. Sometimes you just have to make changes. I say, I always say that you prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare so that you can punt. Yes. So you, yeah. you make all these plans and then God laughs at you. Uh, because you've made plans and then you hopefully have done your homework so that when the things that get messed up come your way, because they invariably do, everybody on production has things not go right. You're, you're able to make a pivot and, and make it work one way or another. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. All right. So producing and directing and production in general come uh, with lots of built-in pressures. It's pressure packed, it's time pr- pressure and all kinds of different pressures. Do you have any special techniques that you use to deal with pressure? Do you have a way to unload or unpack your pressure somehow? Uh, I meditate. Um, you know, I find that that helps, but I mean, it's, it, I, I don't meditate for hours. I, I will, in these are short meditations, five, 10, 15 minutes at, at the most, mm-hmm. but that, that, but, but, but that, you know, that helps just, and, and really the whole thing, the whole point for myself in terms of like meditating is quiet time, Steve, just some quiet time, uh, with myself and my thoughts that helps, uh, walks, taking walks, long walks. That's another way that I will, you know, will, will work out the stress, um, really for me, it's, it's about being quiet, getting to those, just those quiet moments. Do you have Um, a way to get there on set when it's all chaos? uh, When it's on set. I mean, sometimes you, sometimes you can escape, uh, you know, to your trailer. Um, but you know, on, on set, you know, it's really, it's really about communicating with others. Uh, and, and, and again, this is like, we're having a strong, a strong um, team, you know, just a strong team behind you where you can articulate, uh, you know, just some of these stresses or just some of the issues. And this is where, and this is where really having a team 
that are uh, solvers, right? Um, problem solvers. This, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this also helps to relieve some stress. If you have confidence in your team, that does help to relieve the, you know, the stress. And you want to share, you you share these stresses with, um, you know, with the inner circle uh, on, you know, on, on set. So you've got um, your inner circle in your writing world <laughs> and your inner circle on set, and you need them both, don't you? Absolutely. You need, yeah, you, you need them. In, you need them in life, Steve. You need you need your inner circle in life. You gotta have that inner circle. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, that's your family, your friends, whoever that is that you can trust. It's a trust thing, so that you can turn to them and say pretty much anything, and know that they're not going to look at you like you're completely out of your mind. Though they may look at you, or they do. In my case, they look at me frequently like I'm somewhat out of my mind, and then we go from <laughs> from there. Um, exactly. Uh, what is it you most enjoyed about directing? Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, the, the entire process. I love, I, I love the whole process from the idea, from the kernel of the idea to ultimately producing a, uh, you know, something tangible, uh, you know, fi- a, a, a finished episode, a finished film, you know, short film, you know, whatever it may be. I, I just love that entire process. But um, well, I guess you know the two things that I love the most—it's working, working, working with a really talented DP um, and working with the actors. You know, I mean, those are those are really two uh, two aspects of it. Um, and it helps to be a good communicator, doesn't it? Ah, uh, it's 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 imperative. Yeah, I mean, you know, I strongly suggest for for any you know directors, uh, if you haven't done so, to you know to take acting lessons, acting acting classes. It's great advice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just need to really, you need to understand, first of all, how to communicate to the actors. You need to understand um, what, what their job is. Uh, you know, you, you need to really have a great handle on that. And, uh, and you, need, you need to, um, there needs to be a, like a, a context of language. And that's why in taking these classes, you know, you will learn all of that. At NYU as an undergrad, uh, in fact, you know, because my concentration was uh, directing um, right in just in the cur- curriculum, there were two acting classes that were mandatory, mandatory acting for directors. Um, you know, it's that essential. It's just really that essential. I, I, so, I agree with that entirely. And uh, if you don't understand how actors act, it's almost impossible to direct them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you you have, you have to have a really great handle on what the job is and how to communicate to how to communicate your vision to them in their language. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so that's why that's really, you know, critical. And, uh, and then in addition to that, in terms of, you know, some of my favorite aspects is, uh, is post, you know, I really, I really do enjoy post to actually see it all come together, you know, with, uh, with the editor and with the composers and, the sound design. Um, I really do enjoy that process. As well. the, the the final rewrite. Yes. Correct. The Post final is rewrite. the final rewrite. You get it's the last chance you get to kind of revise the storytelling if you want to. Correct. Correct. And, <laughs> and you want to be there. Yeah. You want and you want and you want to you know you want to be part of that process. Absolutely, you do. All right. Let's let's talk for a moment about Writers Room Fifty Fifty. How'd that come? What what is it? And how did it come about? Yes. Uh, and thank you for, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I, I, I often tell people, Steve, that the Writers Room 5050 is a company that I accidentally started. Um, and, uh, and I accidentally started it, uh, last year, um, last, uh, summer. Um, and 
That you know, so the summer of 2019. Correct. The yep. summer of the, yep, the summer of 2019. And uh and just to you know to 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 add more context um uh for uh for how the writers room 5050 even came into being, just for myself, you know, being a woman, being a Latina in uh you know in the business, um, and I, I'm I'm a staunch activist for uh underrepresented storytellers uh in the entertainment business. I am the co-chair of the Latino Writers Committee. I've held a leadership of, of the Writers Guild. The Writers Guild, correct. The, the, the Writers, the Writers Guild of America West. I am the co-chair of the Latino Writers Committee, mm-hmm. um, and I've I've ha- I've held a leadership role at the Writers Guild, uh, like six or seven years, I would say. Um, but uh, you know, but currently I am the uh, the co-chair. Uh, I'm in my second term now. Uh, and, uh, and just rigorous, um, extremely active there. And, you know, in terms of creating opportunities and, uh, and advancement, um, and prominence for Latinx writers in the business. So I'm extremely active there. I'm also currently at the Writers Guild as well. I am now, uh, a, a member of the inclusion and equity group, uh, which is another, another committee um, at the Writers Guild that just really just solely focused on inclusion and equity for all writers uh, at the Guild. Um, and, 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 and it really, it's for, uh, you know, really for underrepresented. What, what, are, what are a few of the major issues that are, are problematic and in need of addressing? There's so many, um, but, uh, but, but it's, Steve, it's about equal opportunity. It's about mm-hmm. equal opportunity for everyone. Uh, you know, the objective is to level the playing field. Um, and, and it's about getting hired, Steve. It's about getting hired regardless of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's not just about hiring your friends. It's, a, it's, it's really about reaching out and hiring others that don't necessarily look like you, that you, that, that, that also deserve a chance, um, to, uh, you know, to establish their careers, grow in their careers, um, you know, obviously at the Writers Guild, these are writers with credits, um, but, uh, you know, but with underrepresented storytellers, there are bottlenecks. There are bottlenecks every, you know, just, just, just every step along the way. Like, for instance, uh, in terms of entry level, um, you know, writers, underrepresented storytellers, they will repeat steps three, four, five, six times before they will get the opportunity to be bumped up to the next level. Um you know, so there's a bottleneck at, at, you know, in terms of entry level, like, you know, they're, they're, they certainly are getting in, uh, but they're not necessarily moving up. Um, so, uh, you know, so, and, and, and working as frequently, you know, unfortunately as, uh, you know, as white writers. So, so that is, uh, you know, that's an issue. Um, and then there's also like the mid-level, uh, mid-level writers, uh, for them, they, they, they also get stuck, you know, at mid-level, like not getting the opportunities, to move up, you know, to move up the ladder, get, get to those, uh, you know, co get to those producer levels, co-executive producer levels, uh, you know, the, the, the showrunner level, um, you know, there's another bottleneck in the middle, uh, you know, so, so just very, very few get to the top. Um, so the problems are just the opportunities, the opportunities are slimmer, uh, and, uh, and also, um, the, you know, just the support. I mean, mentorship, what's needed, what's needed, Steve, is first of all, hire us, <laughs> hire us. Sure, of course. Men- mentor us to success 
So this is a commitment of mentorship. It's not a one-time thing, right? This is, this is, this is like a marriage. Uh, you make, you, 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 you commit yourself to a writer, you mentor them to success so, they, so that they have the support that they need going back to the conversation that we just had about inner circle. Mm-hmm. Right? These are, these are, you know, trusted advisors, trusted people in your life. So everyone needs that, you know, and everyone creative, I, anyone who is creative, I think needs that <laughs> tenfold. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so it's, first of all, hire us mentor, you know, provide mentorship to success. And then when, and then when that writer is level is when that writer is ready to be bumped up, bump them up so that they one day can be in a position to hire and mentor, uh, and green light. So, um, so those are the issues. Those are the issues, Steve. Do you know, do you know offhand what the percentage of working writers, uh, are, are, people of that need to be included, what, whatever that's whether uh, um, people of color or whether it's people with uh, disabilities or whatever it might be. Do you know what percentage of the Writers Guild uh, is not being fulfilling on the, on that end? Yes. Um, I mean, and there are studies that come out all, you know, all the time, but in terms of on the most recent study, uh, which, which the Writers Guild released, I uh, would say about six months ago, I would say, um, is uh, in terms of writers and television, uh, the, the, you know, the most hired, um, you know, percentage of writers are white men, you know, white, white men. Uh, and then after that, white women. Um, and then, uh, and, and, you know, and in terms of, so they, so white men and white women, they make up around somewhere between 60 to 70% of the, you know, they, they basically, they're working. Those, they're, you know, they, 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 they get hired. They're, so they're, like, making a, they're making an income as a writer, which is not always easy correct. to do for anybody. For but, anybody, but, yes, but, exactly. but you're saying the, the, the 60 to 70% of those working writers are white men. Right, white, white men and white women. And uh, white get, women, but, but the large But the largest group is white men. And, uh, and then, and then what's left is, uh, everyone else, like all the other, other represented storytellers, underrepresented storytellers. So now we're talking about, uh, you know, black writers, Latinx, uh, you know, writers, LGBTQ writers, women, you know, just women in general, uh, you know, especially, um, women of color are, are, are the least, the least represented, um, Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern writers, Asian writers. So, so it's basically anyone who is not white is making up, or, you know, let's just say 35% on average. So, so, uh, all right. So what can, or what do you do with Writers Room 5050? What is the, yes. what is your purpose? What do you do? So, uh, so my purpose, again, as this staunch activist and someone who has mentored and, and, uh, and, and, and someone who, you know, has taught all of that uh, to help um, underrepresented storytellers get to the next level. It's really about getting to the next level in your career. Um, do you help them through contacts or do you just, do you it's, uh, advise it's, them or what do you do? It's, it's, it's mentorship. It's uh, a great deal of it is, is training, you know, is, uh, is pitching. You know, like, like there are a series of labs. There are just, you know, there are different labs that are offered. So one is pitching the television series where literally mm-hmm. in six weeks you are writing that, pitch script. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, you are pitching every single week and receiving feedback. You are designing your pitch deck. And then that literally, uh, ends with the writers pitching their series to, uh, an executive or a producer. Uh, and you know, so, um, and so thus far, 
10 projects which have been pitched have moved forward with wow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's how, it's how cool is that? And that's within one year or so of your founding this, and you've been dealing with COVID for the last nine months because we're having this conversation in October of 2020. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so that's a, that's really awesome. Thank you, thank you. So and, so so there are labs. Um, yeah, we 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 are offering about 12 different. Well, 11, no, it's about 12 different labs now. It's just incredible, Steve. As I said, I accidentally started a company. Um, so, so, you know, so, so pitching is a focus, pitching the television series, um, writing the television pilot, uh, and, and, and that the process is my process, which we discussed a bit, uh, you know, earlier, really diving into uh, story through character. Um, and, uh, and every single week, um, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, it's a rigorous, you know, rigorous process where the, you know, the, the writers are just, you know, every single week they are, you know, they're, 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 I, I, I challenge them, you know, I, I challenge them, um, to write, present their materials, all of that. And, and, uh, you know, so they're developing a pilot, uh, and that leads to that, that lab at the end, um, leads to a table read with professional actors literally reading 20 pages of everyone's script. Nice. Uh, and it, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's phenomenal experience, Steve, just incredible. Uh, so there are, there are writing labs. There's a pitching lab. There is uh, how to sell your series um, because so many requests came in also in addition to, okay, so now that we have the creative under our belt, right? How, uh, you know, what do we, what do we do? Like, what's the strategy? How do we, how do we develop a strategy, a winning strategy to sell, you know, to, to sell our material? So that's that's a, a a newer lab which has just been incredibly successful. Um, writing the television show bible that's uh, another another lab. Uh, writing the short film. I also I'm also uh, we also have directing directing labs, uh, directing prep intensive, directing uh, shorts and, and proof of concepts, directing horrors. Um, so it is a myriad. Of of labs um, and with all it's it's just been so success, su successful. And, and is it is it tied into the WGA or is it a separate entity entirely? It's a separate. It's a separate entity entirely. In fact, it's a foundation. Um, uh, I this at the beginning of this year, uh, you know, I founded the foundation last year. The it, last year was the company started. Um, there's a for profit side and there's a nonprofit uh, side, but I started a nonprofit foundation. Um, earlier this year so that I could take donations and, mm -hmm. and, and develop all kinds of different programs. Um, and, uh, and, and, and in fact, we just launched our first fellowship, uh, which is the BIPOC writers, uh, fellowship adapting a book into a feature film screenplay. Um, so I've partnered with a book publisher level, level four press. They have over 300 books. Uh, and, uh, in the fellowship, 10 writers of color uh, will literally be mentored um, from literally from adapting one of their books into a, into a screenplay. And then ultimately that screenplay is going to be taken to the marketplace to, to, you know, to try to sell it. What is, you said BIPOC, what does that mean? That means uh, black indigenous and people of color. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, and, and, all right. So tell us how, if someone's interested in finding Writers 5050, Writers Room 5050, how do they find you? Sure. Uh, well, our website is uh, writersroom5050.com. And you'll- that's, that's, you know, that's, that's too easy. 
<laughs> it's it's just like it sounds writers room 5050.com um yvette we've been speaking for over an hour if you can believe that um oh my goodness. and uh um, we're gonna slowly wind this thing down a little bit i'm, I'm just curious in all of your experiences uh, do you have a story or two uh that is either quirky weird strange offbeat or just plain funny that you can share with us See, there are so many, uh, so many, so many, but, but I'm going to go with the first. It's show business. There better be a few. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and maybe some stories not so funny, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are those two, aren't there? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but the first, I'm going to go with the first story that uh, came to mind. And uh, literally this was when I was a film student at NYU, my undergrad, uh, and I was literally in the process of producing my senior thesis film, which, by the way, ended up winning the best of NYU. It got me a lot of buzz, and that's what got me out to L.A. Mm. Um, but, uh, but while I was in the process of producing this, and I wrote, directed it, and, and produced it, um, I was uh, working, also working at the time at an advertising agency, in New York, um, again, utilizing all of my art skills and my writing skills, I, uh, I worked in the advertising industry in, in New York. And uh, in, in the building, um, in the ad building, ad agency building, um, there was a post-production company there. Uh, but anyway, so here I am after, you know, after school, I, uh, I would, I would work in the evenings. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I had a car, you know, at the time, and parking, you know, legally on the street. I had to wait till 6 p.m. to le legally park my car. Uh, so as I was waiting, as I was sitting in my car right outside of the, the ad agency or the building and waiting, waiting for 6 p.m., um, who, who actually exits the building and I lock eyes with is, was Bill Murray, the actor. Right. Uh, yes. So we completely locked eyes. He, I smiled at him. He smiled at me. There was like, just like this connection. And, 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 and we locked eyes, uh, as he walked out of, um, you know, the building crossed in front of my car and then jumped into uh, a car service that whisked, you know, that just whisked, whisked him away. And, uh, it was just, um, like it was, as, it was as if time stopped, Steve, like I just knew at that moment. Yes, it was, as, it, yes. I just knew that Bill was going to play a role. Um, you know, he's just going to play a role in my life. So I, and I was just obsessed in being able to communicate with him um, and tell him that, you know, somehow and tell him what I was working on. Um, so I, I just assumed that he, he, you know, he basically had some business at this post-production company because besides the ad agency and the post-production company, uh, none of the other companies in that building were creative, you know, were creative. So I just assumed that he had some dealings with the post-production company. So, and, there, and Mad River Post actually was any of the post-production companies. So I, uh, you know, so I basically just made my way into the post-production company, introduced myself to the receptionist and said, you know, are, and basically just asked the receptionist, you know, are you working with Bill Murray? I just saw him leaving the building and the receptionist confirmed it. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we have a project with him. And then I basically unloaded and told this, you know, this poor receptionist, my, 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 my life, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm a film student at, at NYU. I am working on my senior thesis film. Um, and I would just, you know, be over, overjoyed 
uh, you know, if Bill would play a role in my senior thesis film. Um, and, uh, you know, I would love to just share that, you know, share that with him. So basically the receptionist said, well, you know, he'll, he will, he will definitely be back. Um, you know, if you want to drop like a package off for him and, uh, and by the way, so this was a Friday when all of that happened over the weekend, I developed, I, I created this amazing package for Bill. I have the art skills. I mean, it was like this gorgeous, 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 literally a package with my script, everything about myself, the, you know, the vision, what I, you know, what I would love for him to do the role, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Monday, when I went to work uh, at the ad agency, I st- I made the stop over at Mad River Post, the production company. I gave the package to the receptionist who was like, oh my God, this is like, you know, in- 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 incredible. Um, and I was like, well, look, I mean, even if he says no, I, I you know, I just, I just want to get this to him. So lo and behold, uh, Wednesday, you know, Wednesday rolls around and, uh, and I was just dying. I was on pins and needles. I, I just, you know, Steve, I, I mean, if nothing else, I wanted to know that he got the package. Sure, of course. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I called, um, and I was at work. I was at the ad agency, um, Wednesday evening and I called, um, the post-production company and the receptionist picked up because first of all, in New York, everybody works 24 seven, everything's open. Um, and you know, certainly, you know, editors work <laughs> all kinds of hours. So everyone was there. It was, and it was, I mean, I, I must've called around maybe, I don't know, maybe 7 PM and everyone was there. So, um, the receptionist, I, I basically asked the, the receptionist, Hey, and I basically said, Hey, this is Yvette Vargas. I just wanted to confirm, um, that, you know, Bill Murray received my package and, um, and the receptionist said, uh, well, you know, he certainly, you know, he certainly knows of it. Um, you know, he actually had to go to Paris for something, but he certainly knows of it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's, you know, that's great. When will he be back? And, and basically then the receptionist said, you know, hold on, let, let me, let me put you through to, uh, you know, to his editor. Uh, and, uh, so, so the reception, the receptionist ended up, um, patching me through to, uh, Bill's editor. Or she was the assistant editor, uh, at the time on the project that Bill was working on. And, uh, her name was, um, uh, Anna, uh, uh, Anna Paula, um, this incredible, beautiful Portuguese, uh, you know, woman, um, who, who we've become the dearest of friends, um, you know, uh, now. So anyway, so, so Anna was actually the one who ended up opening the package because, because since she was working with, with, with Bill and Bill was in Paris, he had asked Anna to open the package and read it, you know, read it to him and just tell him what was in it. So Anna knew, you know, knew the gist, uh, and certainly Bill, um, you know, Bill, Bill knew what was up. Uh, and, uh, and Anna was just like incredibly impressed. And she said that, you know, as was Bill and that Bill wants to meet with me by the end of the week. Uh, you know, if I was available, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I am available. (laughs) (laughs) And if you weren't, you'd make yourself so. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I, I would move mountains to, uh, to meet with Bill. So that was just incredible. Um, and, uh, and then Friday, you know, Friday rolled around uh, and while I was at work, uh, I received a call from Anna, um, and who then who then packed me through to Bill. And so here I am speaking to Bill on the phone, mm, wow. and uh, and basically, you know, Bill, you know, Bill. The first thing that Bill said was like, "That was some package." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he invited me to you know to come downstairs to uh, to the post production company, which I did. And then I met you know met with Bill. Met, that was when I met Anna for the first time and other 
other folks there and everyone was just smiling. I mean, it, I mean, it was like the parting, this beautiful parting of the Red Sea with just glowing, glowing faces. I mean, you know, uh, Steve, I just had impressed everyone. It was like, everyone was touched. Everyone was touched by, by this, um, you know, scenario. And, uh, and basically Bill, um, you know, he, uh, well, you know, Bill ended up becoming a mentor. Bill ended up, uh, giving me money. You know, he, he, he gave me money for, uh, for the short film. Um, he wow. couldn't, he, 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 yes, he couldn't be in it because scheduling wise when I was shooting it, he just, you know, he was out of the country. He was going to be out of the country for some time. Uh, but he became a mentor and, uh, and, and he helped me fund, fund that short film. Well, how cool is that? Yes, yes, because, exactly. Because he's notoriously impossible to get to. So for you to get to him is a huge deal. It, it, it was a huge deal. I didn't, I didn't uh, know notoriously how impossible he was to get with until after the fact. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he has, you know, basically he, he has a, this attorney that is the gatekeeper uh, who basically... Well, a, 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 yeah. I mean, the legend is that, you know, to, to get a message to Bill Murray is a very challenging thing to do. So Absolutely. the fact that you did that is uh, exceptional. Well, well, good on you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> all you. Right. Yes. All right. Well, I think that's a great story. Last question for you today, Yvette. Um, do you have a solid piece of advice or a tip that you can um, lend to those who are trying to break in or maybe they're in a little bit and trying to get to the next step? You've already given us a whole bunch, but do you have one more? Yes, uh, you know, ab absolutely. Um, well, first of all, you know, if you're a writer, if you're a director, uh, you know, if you're a producer, any, 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 any um, creative discipline that's involved, uh, you want to, I mean, you, you, you want to master your craft as best as you can. I mean, you know, certainly nothing can be fully mastered. I mean, as, as, a, as a writer and Steve, I'm sure you will agree, every single project is different. It has its own set of complications. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. You're always starting from scratch. <laughs> You're always starting from scratch, um, but, but practice your craft, practice your craft, practice your craft. And you need, you need a sample of your work that helps you shine. So if you're a writer, write every day and write uh, a sample, first of all, that is personal, that reflects your personal story, reflects who you are, how writers get hired, uh, in, or, or, or most of the time, how writers get hired, especially on, in television, on series, is that their personal experience is a match for the content, the narrative, of a show. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you, uh, you know, if, if you have a criminal justice background and there's a series that is steeped in criminal justice, you know what? Chances are that that, that could make you a, a, um, a coveted candidate for that show because you have lived that, you right. know that, sure. and you will bring, yes, you will bring the, those kinds of rich nuances and real authentic details to that story. So number one, your personal story is a match for a piece of content and, you know, and in television, you know, a, a show. So your writing sample needs to re reflect your personal story for two reasons. Number one, it proves that you have lived the life that you're saying that you lived. <laughs> <laughs> number one. And number two, it proves that you can write it you can write that experience. Sure. So, that's, so, so that's why for any emerging writers and also writers that are trying to get to the next level, you wanna write something personal that reflects your personal story. 
some, you know, whether it was a job that you had, whether it was your an experience, you know, something something that happened um, while you were growing up. Um, it can be anything, but it's but it is it's it is uh it was something that was critical in the molding of of your identity and the, the molding of your your point of view, the molding of your voice, and uh, and and therefore it's part of your personal story. Um, and, and, and your writing sample needs to reflect that. So the number one, the number one advice is practice your craft, write something personal and make sure that it reflects your personal story. Uh, so, you know, number, number two is find a great mentor. Absolutely. You know, every, everyone needs mentorship. It's such a, such a tricky business. Uh, and it's, 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 it's complicated there, 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 there's no, um, there's no rule book. There's no rule book about this particular business. Everyone, everyone finds and makes their own way. So you need mentorship to help you, uh, to help you navigate the waters and the situations. Um, because, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you, you, you learn how the business works, uh, by becoming, you know, you, by becoming an insider. And when you're not the insider, you need someone on the inside that can help you navigate those waters. No so, 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 you know, so just really find a dedicated mentor um, that, that will help you navigate those waters and can also, hopefully, once you have this writing sample um, uh, or, you know, real, if you're a director um, or a producer, you know, something that's produced that, that you're really proud of, really something that really uh, strongly reflects your, um, your talent that, you know, and the mentor may actually also be able to open doors for you, you know, to make the, the coveted referral, um, because that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a business of referrals, um, because uh, everyone needs to be vetted in this particular business. And, uh, you know, you get the referral, that's, that's, that's the, the instant vet, uh, which, which also helps get you to the next level. Well, there's uh, nothing, there's no, no easier way to get in than to have someone who's already in, bring you in in some way, refer you in, drag you in, whatever it is. That's the, that's the easiest way into the business. That's certainly, that's the easy. Yes. Not necessarily easy because you've got to get to that person and have them admire what you do. You know, exactly. Um, and, and, but this is the thing you need to be ready to capitalize on that opportunity. So that's why you need to practice your craft uh, you need the mentorship to also help you navigate the waters. You need to be ready. Any opportunity that comes, you need to be ready to capitalize on it. Otherwise, it's a missed opportunity, and that opportunity may never come around again. And I'm just being, you know, just full disclosure, it's, it's, it's just the truth. If you're not ready uh, to capitalize, um, that door that was open to you may not be open to you. It's just the reality of the business. Uh, that You know, that's... Uh... There's nothing like a presented opportunity and you have to be very prepared and ready to go when that opportunity comes along. There's no question about that. So Yvette Yvette Vargas, this has been just a spectacular, oh, I don't know, hour and 15 minutes or so uh, um, about the business and what you do. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show today because it's been uh, so many great eye-opening things that you're talking about and how to get into the business, how to be in the business, how to write, how to produce and direct. Fantastic stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. I mean, Steve, thank you again uh, for having me. It's just been, uh, it's just been an honor. Uh, It feels like, it feels Steve as if time hasn't passed uh, since we were (laughs) grad students um, at, at, at UCLA and uh, just thrilled, you know, to see how well you're doing uh, and, yeah. I wish my face showed that time hadn't passed. 
<laughs> mine, mine too, Steve. Mine, mine, mine too. Uh, you know, trying, trying, working, working on that every day. That's like a, another, another craft to master is uh, time, right? And staying, um, staying yeah. young. Don't ever yeah. get old. That's for sure. Stay young, Yvette. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. And so we've come to the end of today's story beat. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great Story Beat episodes to you. Until next time, I'm Steve Cuden, and may all your stories be unforgettable.